This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. Back at it again. We're doing it. That's yeah. right. Coming Here we at, go. Coming at you on a Tuesday, a day later, buck short, but we are back nonetheless. Um, yeah, so with the Easter Monday game, we figured we'd wait till Tuesday to wrap it all up, but now we've got to go all the way back in time to what feels like an eternity ago, Campo. Good Friday. With how, when, how did you guys used to do it when you would record on Tuesdays mm. and then you would be talking about the Thursday night game from almost a week ago? Yeah. Look, I don't. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was. With a bit due silly. respect, what the fuck were you doing? Well, we changed it now. The, it, it's been. It's been. Look, all you can do is learn from your mistakes, and I feel like I've done that. And now we are. Now we have a show on Friday to address that issue. But you know, a couple of times a year when there's Easter or uh, Anzac Day is going to be a, a bit of a pain in a couple of weeks' time. But yeah, a couple of times a year this is going to happen. So yep, all the way back on Good Friday, South Sydney fifty, Canterbury sixteen. Latrell Mitchell celebrating his 150th game with three tries, a couple of try assists, and all-around good performance. Um, Campo, what did you make of this? Well, let's bounce this one back to you because this is your boys. <gasps> Uno reverse. Well, yeah. Uno reverse. Because these are your boys. And yeah. I said to you last week, what did you want to see? And you said, was the effect of points and plenty of them? And that's what you did end up seeing. Yeah. So we, what stood we, out to been you? Waiting for a while for Souths to have a game like this. I thought that. It was pretty even at the start, but I, I think everybody to a man or woman, once Josh Adokar went down, kind of was like, yeah, this game is over. Mm. And then once I saw that they'd trotted out poor old Jackson Toppenay to play centre for 70 minutes against Campbell Graham, I was like, yep, yeah, this one's this one's definitely over. And South had unbridled joy down that right side. I think that's where Trell got, was it two or all three of his tries? And obviously Campbell Graham getting a hat-trick, them just gouging them down that side repeatedly. Um, there wasn't much the Bulldogs could do about it. They were already so down on troops. It's hard to read too much into it because, again, the Bulldogs were already so heavy with injuries yeah. and then they lose their best outside back. And we've talked about this on the show before, but a lot of people don't realise, like, even when I was talking to Poppy after this game, he was like, oh, it's one winger. It's like, but you don't understand how much difference it makes. Like, if you've got to pull a forward, bump a forward out there and sort of it, it messes up your rotations, it means that you've got a, you've got a guy that's completely not used to defending one-on-one against guys who are like faster and more agile than he is. And, and once that happened, they were completely screwed. So it's it's difficult to get too much of a read on it, but I mean, they scored 50 points and I've been waiting all year for them to just throw the shackles off and ra- run up a score on someone. And thankfully, this was the game they did. I reckon this was going to be a schedule loss for Canterbury. Yes. No matter what happened yeah, I agree in with that. the game. Like the five-day turnaround from, from Sunday night, which was an extremely taxing game physically and emotionally yeah you know and, and all the guys that they did have out it was always going to be really really tough and even with that car going down i thought they were they did well to keep pace with souths for about 20 25 minutes until that first change when the when the starting forwards went off and they were kind of out there with a bunch of blokes that to be honest with you even a lot of bulldogs tragics wouldn't have heard of you know and that just would have made it really really tough I, you know i think the important one for this going forward is just souths getting a bit of that confidence back in their attack, um, I want to talk to you about Trell because he scored the hat trick. But it was, it was funny. It was, it was a little bit different to the sort of great mm. attacking performances he's had for Souths in the past. Like he was backing up to score tries More of a rather Merritt than hat trick than a Latrell Mitchell. Hat-trick. Well, that's what everyone on the, at the ground was calling it, presumably. Mm, like, absolutely, yeah. But like he was, he was, he was just backing up and finishing other people's chances, which it, which it hasn't always been his go as a fullback. And I think that's a real promising sign the fact that he was just pushing up and keeping himself 
in the game as as much as possible, you know, because like we've we've he we've can't talk, win we've with people. Before. He can't win. People call him lazy and say he doesn't support, and then he scores a hat trick of support tries. And people go, oh, there are only support tries. Yeah, I, I just, like, there was a bit too much of that around for my liking. Look, I think maybe the last twenty minutes of this game we can pretty much sort of throw out a little bit yeah, because yeah, of, like things are just totally degenerated, degenerated yeah. you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so I think schedule loss for Canterbury. I think they'll be fine once they get some some guys back or whatever. But um, yeah, maybe this is the moment where South sort of get their groove back. Well, they get, the, they get the Dolphins this week. Um, so no disparity in rest there. They both played Good Friday, of course. I um, think they should win that one and they need to because after that, I think off, I think it's Panthers, Storm, Broncos the next three after that. So mm. big, big month coming up for South. Absolute must win this Thursday night. Um, we'll preview that later today. Jeez, that's weird. I know. But, um, yeah, so... Um, yeah, obviously very happy with the performance. Everyone can hold their head high. Um, <laughs> crazy Tane Milne doesn't fill me with a world of confidence, but um, they'll get AJ back next week, which is nice. Um, I, I, I'm just going to say something. I don't know what a hip drop is. <laughs> I don't know because a lot of people whose opinions I respect were adamant that that, um, that Jacob Preston incident was a hip drop and also a Cam Murray one that didn't get cited was also a hip drop. And then the NRL said that they were not going to be charging him for a hip drop. Yeah, I thought they were both... I, I, I didn't notice the Murray one in running. No, I didn't, I but when a, someone posted a clip... When I, I like, saw yeah. a replay, I was like, yeah, that's pretty clearly a, a hip drop. And to me, the Preston one was pretty textbook. Yeah. Like, I, if I, I was thought, trying to yeah. show someone a video of what a hip drop tackle is, I'd probably show them that. Did, and people were like, oh, it's not a hip drop because he was trying to strip the ball. I'm like, is that is that how this works? I think, isn't a hip drop tackle anytime you drop your hips? I would have, I would have thought that was in the name. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like we're at the point with the hip drop tackle now, where they're trying to legislate it out of the sport, but mm. they're doing that classic thing where they almost overcorrect. Yeah, and there are situations where there's no, there's like sometimes a guy's ankle just gets tangled up, and they just they just throw it they just throw it in there as a hip drop tackle because they are so eager to try and rub it out of the sport as quickly as possible. You know, yeah. it's. This is how the NRL usually does stuff. It's like blanket bans, and there's a couple of people that get caught in the crossfire until everyone sort of retrains their instincts to get the tackle out of the sport. Yeah. Um, all right, before we move on, I just want to shout out. There was, so we were sitting, obviously, there's a lot of people there, a lot of Bulldogs fans around us, and there's a young fellow behind us just bagging the refs for like the entire game. And at one point, his dad, who was wearing a Bulldogs, Bulldogs polo, said to him, Mate, look how many people just missed Cody Walker on the tackle for that try. The ref's not pathetic. The only thing that's pathetic is our defense. Wow, raising that boy right. Good parenting. Good parenting. Yeah, because I don't know. I just feel like this sport more than any other sport that you or I watch just has this ref's fault culture that... I mean, every sport blames referees to an extent, but God, it is obsessive in this sport. Well, it, the thing Why is, the, the fuck thing are we is, talking about not, the Jacob Preston thing for three days? They lost by 34 points. The, the, Who the, fucking cares? The, the, like, ref's faulting happens in every sport, but in rugby league, it's just so baked into the discourse. Yes, that's you know? probably, that's probably like, the difference. Like, halftime shows obsess about refereeing decisions, so do post-game shows. You know what I mean? It, it, has, it has an oversized role in in the rugby league conversation because this is a sport that runs on controversy it's, it, and drama. It's honestly, it's just the only sport where a team can lose by, what, six scores? And they're still like, well, you know, that that, that hip drop penalty could have, could have been all the difference. Mm. No, it wasn't. There you go. Take take note from this anonymous Bulldogs fan and his rowdy son. Yeah, he, That's he how you do it, man. man. That's how you teach the next generation. Um, Tom Burge probably should have been cited for grabbing uh, Josh Reynolds on, on, the, on the penis, but uh, he wasn't. What is doing there, man? It was pretty blatant, well, right? You know what's weird? Multiple members of the Burgess family have now done this in rugby league matches. But Sam Burgess actually got punished for it. Yeah, I'm 
but I'm just saying it's strange that it, they've both done it on the field. Tom's the nice one too. He's the good boy. It, maybe it was all a facade. Maybe it was all just a cover. Like maybe yeah. now he's going to be out there just performing unspeakable acts and we'll just be sitting here saying, but Tom's the nice one because he's built up that credit. Maybe Dark sure. Tom Burgess is about to emerge. He's earned three dick grabs. He's got two more <laughs> in the bank before he starts getting in trouble. Everybody gets one. <laughs> Dolphins 32, Cowboys 22. Um do you know which player has the highest win rate in the history of the National Rugby League as a captain? <laughs> is it Mark Nichols? It is Mark, Mark Nichols. Nichols. He no. was great in this game. Leading he was from so, He the played front. so strong and they needed, they needed him too as well because with Jesse Bromwich out, their forward depth was really being tested to its limit. But I thought he and Tom, Tom Gilbert, Gilbert just... Abs- like It was a real he kind of follow, follow me boys... Performance from the both of them. Did you read the really good story in the Daily Telegraph about how Wayne Bennett signed Mark Nichols to no, the Dolphins? Lay it on me. He just sent him a text. He said, "Do you want to come up here and have some fun?" Nice. Yeah, and they're having fun up there, man. I, I, Wait, I. Why I, did he have to send him a text? Wasn't he coaching the Rabbitohs at the time? No, because they only signed him last year. Oh yeah, they signed him during last yeah, yeah, year. Yeah. Not, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Dolphins sort of just put together what is fast becoming. The trademark of the Dolphins, which is just an extremely gritty, committed effort, um, where they don't allow, they don't give the opposition anything cheaply if they can avoid it, and then they just sort of strike when they have when they have the chances. You know, the Cowboys really got off to a slow start in this one. The uh, again, the short turnaround really seemed to to sting them, but the Finns were just getting them. The Finns were making plays. That Jermaine Asako put down was Jeez, that was good, like totally spectacular. He's playing. Fantastic footy. At the, he's playing fantastic footy at the minute. And, you know, I think after the first couple of games of the season, we were all like, oh, this is nice, but it's going to end. But it's just kept going. You know, Hamiso Tabuai Fido is a little bit the same. He's just scoring, he scored a try in every single game they've played. And they're not just sort of, you know, support play efforts or stuff like that. He's making them happen. Mm. I thought the tr- first try that he scored, where there's not much on and Gilbert's sort of just trucking across field, and Tabuai Fido makes the effort to roar up from the back and hit a hole. That's the sort of stuff that the best fullbacks in the world do. You know, they hunt for chances when it looks like there's not chances to hunt. You know, he's just staying involved in the game, like impacting the game as much as he can and taking what he has, which is his incredible mm. speed and his sort of evasive skills, and using them to, to great effect whenever he can. Well, he's, you know? play, he's playing well enough that, as I think we said this last week or the week before, but like there's a, there's a chance where Hubie Farmworth doesn't get that fullback jersey. I actually. don't think there's a chance. I think it's, I think it's I think done. done. I already. think Bert's coming there to play centre and... You guys might remember in the preseason when they announced Bert Farnworth, I said, well, maybe this means they're not that happy with what Tabo Ifito's done in the preseason. But to me, I think he's been the Dolphins' best player through through six weeks. Tom Gilbert, not far behind, of mm. course. But yeah, man, he's he's really blossoming into the into the superstar that I think we always hoped he could be, but that maybe we were, were a little bit unsure about because, you know, like he had some good days at the Cowboys, but it probably probably wasn't what we all wanted it to be. There's a reason that they let him go. You know, Scott Drinkwater took that job off him because Scott Drinkwater was playing better. But now he looks like he's he's looking like he will hit the full limits of his potential. And that's always something great to see when you have a player with that much ability. And it's interesting just how much the Dolphins, like how much Wayne Bennett's getting out of the team with so little depth. Like they got almost nothing out of their bench in this game. And they were still able to, I think, win the battle physically. I don't know if that reflects on how tough they are or just how poor the Cowboys have been. But to pivot across to them, like, what's going on? They have been sneakily very poor this if, year. If we can just stay on the fins for, for, for one for one little second, I thought Herman SASA really gave him a big bit of punch he off the good. bench and yep. he sort of did a lot of the heavy the heavy lifting for him. Um, but 
I'm glad that you're talking about benches because we said on the show last week that the cow's going in a, with a bench of Granville, Chester, Tonoa Brown, and Riley Price. And we thought, surely they'll change that, but well, they did not. We thought when they didn't change it, I was like, okay, well, we're going to get huge minutes for Cotter. We're going to get huge minutes for Talmalolo, and, they're, and they're really just going to try and bust them up. But it, it was the same as it's been through six weeks with Talmalolo. He only mm. played the fifty the 52 minutes, you know, and... I understand. I think Todd Payton's trying to do that thing that he talked about a couple of years ago, where he plays Tamalolo for less minutes in an effort to prolong his career. But I just don't think it's working. You know, so fifty-two minutes a game is his lowest minutes per game since twenty fifteen, which is his first year as a middle. Yeah, and he's averaging the fewest meters in per game since twenty fourteen, when he was an edge forward. You know, like yeah. I just, I just don't think they're getting the best out of him at the minute. And given that the injuries and suspensions they've had to the rest of the forward pack, like surely now's the time to get the best out of your, out of your big fella. So I'm, I'm not quite sure what they're trying to do there. It's been like, I mean, because the Tamalola discourse has just been constant for like the entire Todd Payton era now, right? If you remember, they, that, that was Payton's big thing when he came in, was, it was reducing Tamalola's minutes to maximize his effectiveness. But I mean, one hasn't really led to the other, in my opinion. Like t- to me, he, he's never been more effective than he was you know, just when they won the comp in those couple of years immediately afterwards. Well, I, I, I disagree. I thought he was great last year. I thought last year was a real return to form for him after a couple of years that were blighted by forwards playing a less prominent role in the game because of Lando Ball. And he kept breaking his hands as well, so he just wasn't staying on the field as much. But last year, he was playing fantastic footy, the footy that we know he's capable of and that, that, that has him, in my eyes, to being one of the best forwards I've ever seen in my life. You know, but I just don't think they're giving him the time that he needs to impact the games the way we know he can. Like, for example, I don't think... So he came off for his first... He came off in the first one about 25 minutes in, and then he didn't return until about 25 minutes to go when the Cowboys were very much chasing the match, mm. you know? And he just... Yeah, to, to me, they're just not getting the best football out of him. And and I still think he's their, he's their best player and their most important player, and I just don't know why they wouldn't give him the opportunity to to show that as much as possible. It know? is very weird. I mean, obviously, the coaching staff see something that everybody else watching doesn't. But, yeah, I, they have to change something, man. Like, even with Drinkwater back, they yeah. still are just kind of just pottering along. Um, like, the points aren't flowing as naturally as they, they were last year. And, like, they've already benefited from a lot of games at home, a lot of games in Queensland. And... Where are they? Well, they were, like, 15th on the ladder or something? Like Ooh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm officially quite worried about them. Yeah. Now. Um, Scott Drinkwater had some nice touches on return, but it it didn't feel like their attack was was fluid. It, it felt like it was individuals making plays more than anything else, and that shows up well in the I think the Valentine Holmes try at the end. Like he's just hitting a, a really hard line there. It's not like there's anything that's particularly well constructed. Um, look, I think maybe we are overlooking the amount of outs they do have in the forwards, but you know there's still a lot of talent out there. You know, like Cohen Hessen. And Griffin Neem are probably what yep. their third and fourth string back rowers, and they were both pretty good. I thought Griffin Neem in particular had a really strong game on that left edge. He's the Townsville bully. He's the one. Okay. We were, well, last week we were trying to figure out who can we nickname can the Townsville bully. That. I think it's Griffin Neem. But now he's just, I found, found out this morning he's got an injury to his throat. He's out for a eight throat weeks. Injury. A throat injury. Yeah. So did maybe he, maybe, did maybe he we, drink a, like a really hot coffee and burn his throat. Maybe, but maybe yeah. we're going to get like a raspy voiced Griffin name. Like Trick a question: The Townsville bully drinks concrete. That's not right, coffee. baby. Hard enough. Yeah, they go to New Zealand this week, and then they play the Knights at home, and then they go to Sydney to play the Sharks, and that's their three weeks before Magic Round, where they play the Roosters. So that's it's mm. a real that's one game in the next month where they're in Townsville. 
some tough opponents there. Yeah, they got it. They got it. They got it. They got to fix things, and they got to fix them soon. Mm. Yeah, uh, but the Dolphins—it's a weird one. Um, we'll we'll get to the Thursday night preview later, but we did kind of think that you know we a lot of people went, oh well, that was a fun couple of weeks. That was that was cute, wasn't it? After they lost to the Dragons, and we all kind of just thought that they'd sort of start tumbling down the ladder. But I thought they were really brave and really tough in this one. And they yeah, deserved I, to win. Isaiah Katoa, fantastic at halfback. I thought mm. he played with a control that you very rarely see in someone of his age and his experience. Jeremy Marshall King, terrific at hooker again. Um, just doing so much so much fine work just with his eyes and with distracting markers and, and stuff like that. I think he's a big reason that the Finns were able to be so dominant in the middle of the field. One of the strangest careers. Like He was like a, a punchline for a long time as a player. And just basically about halfway through last year, he just transformed into like this incredibly creative number nine who's been oh, I, I, so vital to those Bulldogs teams at the end of last year and now this Dolphins team. Playing great footy. Bizarre. Fantastic footy. Um, Late bloomer. And I <laughs> I would be remiss if I went through this game and I didn't mention those Rowdy Lee cousins. Of course. I was waiting you for You know, that. like <laughs> Brenko Lee setting up that try for Osako is the classic Brenko Lee move where he's playing, he's doing smart stuff with the ball, but it looked like everything was happening in slow motion, but he still made it work because he's Brenko Lee and like the great ones just have time. He's one of those players. It just, mate, just, just ice cold. Just gets around the park. I'll tell you what, the Iceman, Brenko Lee. Did and then Edric got caught out of position a couple of times on the Kyle Felt tries and he looked a bit short of a run, but then came up with a really big intercept yeah, late in the game that sort of killed off any hopes of a Cowboys comeback. And I said it last week and I didn't take my own advice, but if you put the Lees together... Your winning odds double. If it's in Queensland, the odds triple. And if Wayne Bennett's the coach, the odds quadruple. Yep. You know, and now they're going back to Suncorp Stadium, the Scene house the, the Lees built. You know, with yeah. with 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 their dear associate Corey Allen against his former club. They'll want revenge for their for I their like brother the in arms. That Corey Allen's on the Dolphins now. It just feels right. It does feel right. I was stunned that they didn't end up signing him. To yeah. be honest with you. Um, but did, uh, yeah, man, just as long as the Lees are around, everything's going to be did okay. Let's keep the wrong Cody. My column. Yep. All right. Saturday, the first game, I, you quickly changed your pick from an upset to a not upset. And thank God I did. When uh, you saw Josh <laughs> Schuster was out. I dare say Josh Schuster alone would not have presented this absolute but I guess, shellacking. But I guess we'll never know. We went through. We won't. <laughs> Dylan Edwards, he's so underrated. No more. Okay, I, no I more. need everyone. All right, I'm sure no every. More. I'm sure a lot of big wigs are listening to this. Please listen to me. If every time anyone talks about someone, they say he's one of the best fullbacks in the game. If he was on the Australian tour, if he did he win the Dalian or did he nearly win the Dalian? He nearly won the Dalian. If you win a Clive Churchill medal, all that stuff, you cannot be underrated. You can't be underrated when the commentary team spends 15 minutes talking about you every week. So the last time he was underrated was before the 2021 Grand Final. I, that's right? I agree. And then he played great in that game with the busted foot. Yep. And that should have been the end. That was when real heads knew, like, okay, this guy's just a good player. He's not underrated anymore. But it kept going. And it kept going last year when he had such a good season. The thing is, he doesn't and score that many tries usually. Yeah. So that, maybe that's why. But it even kept going after he won the Clive Churchill medal, right? And he was, uh, he was on standby <laughs> yeah. to go on a fucking kangaroo tour. And we still got articles in the preseason this year saying Dylan Edwards is underrated. Why is he underrated? Oh, because he's not as good as James Tedesco. So he's not as good as the best player of his generation. That doesn't mean you're underrated, dog. I can't stand it. And I, I actually think it does Dylan Edwards a disservice. I agree. Like, it's almost a patronizing we thing even have to, to say how underrated he is. He's a really good player. 
He's a really good player. He's a, he might not be the perfect fullback, but he's the perfect fullback for Penrith. Mm. You know, and he was great in this game. And I don't think we should reduce him to, oh, God, Dylan Edwards. He's just, he's just so underrated. No one thinks he's any good, but then he does this. It's like, no, dude, everyone knows how good he is now. He showed it in this game. He did all the Dylan if Edwards things, If he tests the market, man. he's going to get like a million dollars. Like, what are you talking about? It's not crazy. It's crazy. Anyway. He doesn't have to play Origin. He doesn't have to play Test Footy. Yeah. To, to be a good player. Some yeah. t- like sometimes that's just the way it goes. Fullback's the deepest position in the sport. Yeah. In terms of oh, high quality man, guys. It kills me. But anyway, so let's not get let's not get mad. Let's have mm. some fun. It's great in, he's great in this one. I loved how I think um Penrith went in this with a very clear plan of targeting Manly down that Poor down old that Jason left edge. Saab. Jason Saab had a shock at Kelmatel Lung, he had some really bad misses. And Penrith just did what they do really well, where they attack the opposition's weakness. With their athleticism, you know, I thought mm. Crichton and Toto both had absolutely super games down that right edge. Um, Cleary was playing some of his best footy in a long time. I thought they really got the balance right with Mitch Kenny and and, and Sonny Luke this time, and that you could t- you could you could see how things opened up when Sonny Luke got out there. I think he ended up having two try assists and he only ran the ball a couple of times, which shows he's getting such a good command of of that Apicorosau role, where yeah. controlling the middle of the ruck, but you don't have to be making Damian Cook meters to to go and do it. Um, but yeah, this was really a a roaring return to form to Penrith. I actually think this was more of a return to form than the Raiders game mm. because this, to me, they did all the things that they've done so well on this run in the last couple of years. And they did it without James Fisher-Harris, one of their key forwards. So th- Penrith never went away, but they're back, if you know what I'm saying. I think that um, second edge spot alongside Liam Martin is now... Zach Hostings to lose. Oh, has to be. Has to be. He was great. He's completely again. outplayed Luke Garner. Yeah. Well, Garner, like, he, Garner just wasn't running the hard lines that Hoskins running. He just wasn't giving that edge the structural integrity that, that Hoskins gives it, you know. And he might not be a, a Viliami Kikau or a Liam Martin, but as long as he's running his lines and he's something of a threat with the ball, it just opens things up for, for everybody else. You know? well, it was and, interesting as well. I think Cleary was asked about Garner before this game, and he said, no, he wasn't dropped. He's still injured, so... Weird that he would like, even mention that. Well, but. like he'd be flat out getting back into the team, man. I think like so, he's, yeah. He's missed. He's well, well, he's Scott Sorensen's playing really well as well. So always does. Yeah, consummate professional, hot Scott. Mm. Yeah, it, it's a strange one with that because um, you know it, he, he did get that first crack, and, and but I think especially in that in that Rabbitohs game, he was very poor. Um, he just hasn't given them that punch that they would like, as you said. He's not really running hard enough for, for to play that position the way and I don't, I don't think anyone can replace Billy Army Kick yeah. but I think Zach Hosking's done a better job of it. Well I think Garner's like Garner's quick, right? Mm. Garner moves quite well down the field and all that. Like he scored a few I don't long, think he's a bad player by any means. He scored a few long tra- range tries for the Tigers and all that. But Sorensen and Hosking strike me more as power runners. Yep. And I think that's more what, what apparently like their entire game is based around power. You know, so if you have two guys who fit that mould, probably just more of a better stylistic fit than yeah. than Luke Garner. Yeah, like with, like there's a couple of other teams. I think like I think I think Garner could be good on the Eels, for example, or maybe the Sharks. But I don't think he fits the way Penrith mm. play particularly well. That's okay. Um, yeah, they've just got an embarrassment of riches somehow at a position after losing <laughs> Bill Kikau, which is remarkable, ridiculous. One more thing on Penrith. Mm. So we've said it before. One outside back in headgear. You know, it's an anomaly. Two of them together, that's good stuff. And if they're on the same edge, Look out. their power's double. Yeah. I don't know why Brian Toto was wearing headgear, but I liked it. <laughs> Wore so. it well. Made him look like a bear cub. Mm. And I enjoyed I enjoyed the dual headgears on the so right-hand side. So are you side. saying the Bulldogs should make their um, their halfback and their fullback also wear headgear? It can't hurt, man. A, head, a headgear spine. A headgear spine. My God, wouldn't that be something? Unstoppable. They'd be celebrating in the halls of 
Canterbury or whatever. Who, who might Canterbury is the brand that makes the headgear. Why aren't oh, the yeah. Bulldogs doing this? The whole team should wear them. The whole team should wear them. Um, NRL physio's head exploding. I don't have a lot to say about Manly. They were just be- belted in this game. Um, I always love when you go on the League Live app after these games and you sort by meters when Penrith really dominated a team. Yeah. And it's like the top... This t- this line was the top 10 players were Pan- Panthers. So Jake Tabovich was 11th in meters gained and he was Manly's most meters gained. <laughs> I I, um, I I do have a, a bit to say about yeah, that. I was really disappointed in them. Mm. I, I thought even with Schuster out, I thought that they would really look at this as a challenge that they could they could kind of attack, and I thought they'd really go out there and try and give a good account of themselves. But instead, this looked like this looked like a serious team against a non-serious team, you know. And mainly, we've talked a little bit about how they've made strides with their forward pack over the opening six weeks mm. of the competition, how well Paseca's played and all that, and then all of that just sort of disappeared. You know, I was I was I was quite let down with the way they played. I thought they really just got um really got shown up by a team that's 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 got that's got that edge that Manly just don't quite have right now. And then all of all of a sudden you look you look back at sort of the six weeks they put together and maybe it's not as strong as, as we initially thought it was. You know, I think they've got a couple of really big games coming up where they've got to try and rebuild a little bit of that confidence because to me I think their biggest aspect still is if they're on top they can be really dangerous but I think they find it hard to mm. to fight their way out of games and to break the momentum of a match when it's well, when it's going against them they've got another big test this week hosting the Melbourne Storm mm. love a battle of Brookvale montage before these games oh man love one. I'll tell you oh yeah I'm, I'm gonna uh, is that Friday night yep a Friday afternoon, I'm going to tee up the, the Battle of Brookie just to sort of get just, myself in the headspace. set the tone. Just start huffing the fumes, bro. Absolutely. Um, all right, let's move on. Um, no opening tirade this That's week. That's right. No opening tirade. Because the boys. Not this time, baby. Um, if, you are a pa- if you are a patron of the show, I'm sure you heard the little bonus show me and Campo did straight after this one. If you're not, feel free to join. You can still go back and listen to it, patreon.com forward slash NRL Boom Rookies for as little as $2 a month. But yeah, we jumped on a call for about 10 minutes. After this one, to celebrate a remarkable achievement, Nick. Super win. Just a super, super, super win. I think I, I wanted Canberra to show me something in this game. I said on the show last week, if they couldn't get shamed into Valor by that loss against Penrith, then it was almost time to pack stuff up and, and start thinking about next year. But I didn't. I, and when they sort of came out in the first five minutes and were playing with that physicality, I was like, okay, well, they're going to, they're giving this a red hot go tonight. But I never, I, I never expected they were going to. They were going to win, you know what I mean? Like I'd be lying if I said even not. Sometimes when Canberra's really up against it, and it gets to five minutes before the game, and there's some part of me that sometimes there's some part of me that goes, "I tell you, things start all right. Maybe we can do it." But there was none of that. I really thought we were going to get smacked. Yeah. Um. So- but to to sort of to find those things that I knew, I like I knew this sort of football was in them. You know what I mean? I knew that they were a better, they were a, they were a more capable team than what they'd showed over the first five weeks of the competition, I knew that they could play hard. I knew they could play physical. I knew that when they stand up to the other team and they don't back down, that they can handle almost anyone in the league except for Penrith because Penrith have a weird thing over them. But just seeing it all happen and seeing it all happen without Joe Tarpanay, who withdrew from the game because his wife was going into labour. To do, to do all that, without to do this without the players that they had, it's... Um, so I think I think it's the biggest Raiders upset win probably since they beat Melbourne in yep. 2011. Um, in the middle of the season oh, with a Blake you're going with that one, not the chip and chase. I'm going not, on that one. I not think. the finals one last. Oh, you guys kind of all thought you were going to win that. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Everyone was really confident heading into mm. into that one, you know. And so, there were a couple of good wins over the Roosters in 2020 that were yeah, definitely yeah, big upsets. Yeah, yeah. But Canberra were a really good team then. That's true. And I never felt I, like um, I never felt like, and they were against the odds, but I never felt like 
they were miracles. This this kind of felt like a bit of a miracle. So new listeners of the show might not know that Campo is a very superstitious person. And during Raiders games, I like to text him when Canberra are winning and say, the boys are home. You didn't well, do that this time. I didn't do it. I was really because, surprised. Because, A... I didn't want to really rattle you because I genuinely thought they were going to they could win this game. But on that note, I have a question for you. At what point did you in your in your mind's eye think the boys were home? When they got the penalty. When they got the penalty with yeah. the Rapana stuff. Do you want to talk about that now? Well, yeah, well let's touch right. on that a little bit before we go into the nitty-gritty so, of the match. A, a very unfortunate a very grisly scene. Extremely. Not a penalty. No. I didn't think it was a penalty at all. I I, I like so Rapana makes the catch, drops down straight away because I think like just to sort of complete the catch, like going with the momentum of the ball. Yeah. And Tapao's running in to make a tackle, and just because Rapana's dropped so quickly, he bangs his head on his knee, right? Very unfortunate, very gruesome as yeah. well. And I was quite worried about drawing Rapata for a second because longtime Raiders fans will know that there was a he game almost ten years ago where he ago. fractured his skull. Sometimes you'll see that really gnarly scar on the side of his head. That's because they had to, they shaved his head, when he cracked his skull, they shaved his head, they put the cut in all across the top of his head and folded his face forward to get in there and fix it. It's incredibly gnarly shit. Yeah. So something like this happens and you think, oh my God, like I just hope he's, I hope he's all right. But at no point did I think it was a penalty. I think that obviously if he gets up, no penalty. If he gets up slowly, no penalty. Even if he stays down and goes off, no penalty. But because he stayed down and blood was squirting out of him like the old faithful geyser in the... What national park is that? Yellowstone? I don't know. Like Bro, a geyser. He, he looked like he'd been like, in the Passion Dale. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he, he looked... He, he Like, lest we forget, Jordy. Like, he looked fucking dead. Like, but because that happened, it, I just kind of felt like they thought they were obligated to give to give yeah. a penalty. And, and it's... Again, we, we just spent time talking about how it's not... We don't want to, like, want to blame referees. And I don't think we're blaming anyone. I don't think that you can pin the entire game on that because Canberra had defended admirably up yeah. until that point. There's no certainty that the Broncos would have scored. And had they, had they scored, Adam Reynolds would have missed the conversion anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, and But, yeah, a, a very strange call. I just hope Jordan Rapana is okay. Well, I think he is. I think he, he lost a lot of blood on, mm. um, on Saturday night, and I think he ended up getting about 18 stitches... Or something like that, but the Raiders were putting out updates on Sunday morning, and I think he'll be. I think and, he'll be alright. He'll Marty, miss. Marty he'll miss our no charge. Oh yeah. Well, At, the thing and, is, dude, and rightly like, so. Atkins was like, oh, it's no different to like when a guy leads with his knees trying to stop a try. It's, I'm completely, like, it's different. completely different. Yeah. Like nothing to power did was um, voluntary. He's literally just running. To, it's not even like a careless high tackle yeah. where they swing their arm carelessly. He was running like any normal human being would be running in a kick chase. Yeah. And it's just unfortunate. It was just a very unfortunate collision. I think I, th- I thought this was a very poorly officiated game, and I think I. You, you can tell that when both Raiders and Broncos yeah. fans thought they got the rough end of the but, stick. Um, had Jordan Rapana been wearing headgear, he, <laughs> no, it's, it's no. I know people think, be, but like that is actually why you wear headgear is to prevent skull injuries. Well, when he when he fractured his skull, he wore headgear for about six months because his mum made him do it. But and what, then he stopped because. But he's I think a crazy that brings man. us nicely into another headgeared hero. Your my favorite oh, non Raiders player, your favorite Raiders player ever. Jared Croker was, had Katoni Staggs in prison. I was, locked him down. I was so proud of him. I was so proud of him because, like, you guys would have heard me talk last week about how much Jared Croker means to me as a as a footballer and, and mm. sort of what he re- represents for me. And I, I, I just wanted him. The only thing I wanted out of this game more than more than the Raiders giving a good account of themselves, I just wanted him to be all right. I wanted him to go out there and just look like a first grader again. And you know, things were maybe a little bit hairy in that first. Five minutes, but he just really grew into the match as it went on. And I thought he did 
a fantastic job on on Katoni Staggs. He was really aggressive with his defence. He got up in his he face. He folded Selwyn Cobo in half in that. He last... hit a couple of blokes a couple of times, which great. has never really been That's his never game. Been his thing. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he played. He played Not great. Jared. Yeah, goal kicking. Goal kicking was on point. Oh, um, wasn't it? Sixteen tackles, no misses. And I know that there was a lot of talk last week from. Like from Broncos fans or whatever, which is like which is fine, you know. You got to you can talk shit before games. That's not a problem. But a lot of people saying, "Oh yeah, Katoni's going to retire him. This is going to be a bloodbath, well, all that sort of thing." And and I was worried about the matchup, but um, Croker just I, did I just pulled something up fantastic. quickly. So friend of the show, NRL Roast, he put up a, one of those graphics on like his Facebook page afterwards, and it was it had a few Instagram comments from Broncos fans. One said. Uh, it was like in on the post where it announced Jerry Croker was coming back. You know, one's like just in time for Stags to drop a hat trick on him. Another one said five missed tackles guaranteed. Another one said Stags going to be celebrating on Saturday. Another one just for the Broncos pack to run an absolute train for eighty minutes. Didn't happen. It didn't. It didn't. And some. So Jared Croker's always copped a lot of shots from his defence, right? And some of them were warranted early in early his career, but things have changed. But the other thing that he cops a lot of shots for is his leadership, mm. right? There's a lot, and there's a lot of Raiders fans out there who have always blown up about him as a captain and as a leader, and he doesn't rev the boys up enough behind the posts and all that sort of thing. But I think his leadership really came to the fore in this game as well, and not just on the night. I thought it was quite telling that after the match, Ricky Stewart said that Karoka coming back into the team was a player-led initiative. They came to him and they said, "That is weird." They said, "Boss, we want him. We want him in the team. We want him out there." You know, and I, I think they all took a lot of confidence from that, a lot of strength from that. I think he's a really beloved player. It's just down there a nice story. He's a guy who's had a great career. Oh man, never done anything wrong off the field. Always speaks well. Always played well. Been an entertaining player to watch. Always gives a good account of himself. It, bro. It felt like him playing in this game. It felt like he came out of retirement. It did a bit. Yeah, yeah because like he's only he, he only played he the played one game last year. It's been. Two years, and he played. He only played a been, handful of reserve grade games last year. Yeah, as well, right? yeah. So it so. felt he's been gone for a really long time. You know, there's a lot of blokes in this Raiders team who would who'd never had played with him. Zach Wolford has never played with him. Jamal Fogarty's never played with him. Zach Wolford, fantastic. By you know, the way. Oh, Zach Wolford was great again. Please do not ever drop him again. Like, please just keep him starting at Uga. But yeah, it, 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 this felt like Croker coming back felt like a great part of the club's past coming and living again. And now he can be part of the present and 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 for the future. Like. I don't know what they're going to do with no. the back line because but, I think like Seb Chris, who was quite good in this one, probably his best game. Still some really hairy fullback. moments. I know, I know, but I think once he gets out of fullback, he'll yes, be really Yes, I agree. Effective. Like he had that drop, the drop bomb and then the thing where him and Hop Whitey ran into each other, which led to a Three try. Three Stooges shit. Yeah. I, I nearly died. But, but I think, I think if Savage gets back, is there, like, I'm trying, like, can you put Chris on the other wing opposite Rapana and have Croker and Himoko well, in the centers? Cot- Cotrick's coming back, too. Oh, yeah, shit. You know, and like, and Bert Hoppawati was, was good in this game as well. Like, the, so there's going to be a lot of guys in the back line who are all it's pretty capable. One. So, like, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. I think Savage is still a couple of weeks away. But, um, yeah, I was well, I was just, I was so well, not, not that it's stoked for Croker. Not that I was it, so happy that he got a night like this. Uh, well, how many games is Rapana going to miss? You'd imagine a couple, probably. Uh, hard, who knows, man, with concussions. He'll probably, in, well, he has, will miss at least two with the 11 days. So. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, I want to, one other guy, Jamal Fogarty, I thought, maybe his, his best, best game. His best game as a Raider. Do you, yeah. that kick he put up with about three minutes to go, that bomb was Burton-esque, how his, high it went. His, his kicking game was his kicking game was really, really good night, in this game. Particularly out of yardage, which hasn't always been a, a strength of his. Um, but I thought he just really, really took control of things in a way that he hasn't since he joined since he joined Canberra. So that was really, really impressive. Um, but, like, you know, I really liked how... He linked with the spine, like we talked about Zach Wolford a little mm. bit before, who was really good again. Please don't ever drop him. 
Um, but Zach Wolford only ran the ball twice, but one of them was in the lead-up to that Albert Hopewadi try. So Wolford sort of sees a lazy defender, goes straight away. Fogarty's backing up. That creates the break. And then on the next play, Fogarty doubles up and kicks over to Albert Hopewadi. Yeah. That's the sort of try that, like, only Fogarty gets credited with the try assist, but the spine combining is always is always a good recipe for Canberra. And, but it just happens so rarely. So when it does happen, it just sort of supercharges the whole, the whole attack. But yeah, Fogarty... Kicking game, terrific. I talked about him on the bonus pod, but I'm going to do it again. Corey Horsburgh, oh, got that dog in him, man. Best player on the field. He was he was terrific, and I'm I'm really happy that he had a game. Did he get six Dalian points. I haven't, I haven't seen. No, him. Fogarty cleaned him up. Really? Yeah, Fogarty I'm cleaned so, him up. I mean, Fogarty Hors- was really good. Horsburgh Hors- 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 got his share, but Fogarty cleaned him okay. up. Okay. Um, so because Horsburgh has the red hair and he cried on the field and he he's a bit you know he's got a bit of fire in him and all that sort of thing. Like my cousin Corey. Cops are not not shots or whatever, but I think people sort of had him pigeonholed yeah. as just a headbreaker off the bench. But he's someone who's always had a little bit more than that, and you could see that in various aspects of this game. So, for example, he's at second receiver um, for that first Jordan Rapana try. You know how many front rowers can slot into a backline move as a as a second receiver and go to the line and throw a really nice pass? Not many. You know, and he's got a lot of ticker in him as well. You could see that on the cover tackle on Adam Reynolds and on the kick pressures that he put on Reynolds all night. You know. Fogarty got the better of Reynolds in this game, which is something. Did I didn't Adam think Reynolds was and Jamal and big, Fogarty have some sort of Freaky Friday? Well, a big situation. reason that Fogarty was able to get the better of him is because Fogarty had time and Reynolds didn't. Well, and a big part of that was Horsburgh. And he yeah. played seventy three minutes, man. Absolutely killed it. Going into the season, I was I really wanted, I really wanted the Raiders to sort of say to Horsburgh, "Look, if you have a big preseason, you're going to be our starting lock." Because I think he probably needed that challenge to get his body in the right place. Um. And he needed sort of to be able to rise to that to that level. He needed sort of the carrot to, to sort of jump up there and do it. And I think that's really what he's done. And I know Queensland have a lot of really good forwards, but it would not surprise me if Corey Horse was playing Origin at some point in the series. Like he's um he's to me he's been Canberra's best player through six rounds. And they needed a big one from him in this one with Tarpanay with Tarpanay not playing. They needed someone to step up and it turned out to be cousin Corey. The whole family's proud of you, man. Didn't get to see you over Easter. That's my bad, but you know I'll see you at Christmas or something like that. Is he? How, how much longer does he have to keep this up to become the best redheaded lock in Canberra's history? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, if it keeps, do Raiders go, fans keeps consider like Tonga Hooker or a lock? Because I know he played a fair bit of both. Uh, I, I always think of him first as a lock, Me even too. though he played Me too. probably played a little bit too much. It's pretty, it's pretty in the even end. between the two. Anyway, yeah, the Broncos. A lot of this was kind of like bad Broncos again in terms of their... I know they lost Flegler, but Haas was brilliant. Carrigan, Haas, pretty good. Haas was terrifying. Yep. Haas, Haas was like... So when you're playing junior footy sometimes, right? And I was never that good a player, right? Mm. So I always had to keep me wits about me. And when you play a team who just has a giant... Yeah. And you see him getting ready to run the ball and you think, oh, Lord, he coming... That's what this was like with Haas. Every time he ran the ball, I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> like, so Haas, run for the hills. So Haas was very good. He was magnificent. Carrigan was decent. And then the rest of their forwards were pretty poor. And that was what that was the recipe for bad Broncos last year towards the end of the season. And in the pre-Kevolution days, it was like, Haas has always been great. But it's been the ability of the other guys to go with him that's made them the team that they've become in the first five weeks of this season. And they just didn't get it in this game. Yeah, well, they, they lost they lost Flegler yeah. to, to that concussion. And I actually thought Carrigan was a little bit poor. I thought yeah. he overplayed his hand a little bit. I thought there was a bit too much passing and not enough not enough grunt. Um, 
And then I actually think Tapao, who's been, who's, it was pretty good for him. He's been pretty good all season. He's sort of had a bit of a mm. rejuvenation type thing. But I think what happened was is Canberra just sort of really stood up to him in the middle of the field. And, and I don't think Brisbane expected that it was going to, it was going to be that way, you know? And then Reynolds, Reynolds probably had a tough night. Pretty and, poor. And all that sort of thing. But Brisbane are going to be fine. They Brisbane are going to be fine. That, that Cobo like, put down, by the way. I hate, I hate it that that was a try. Like I like I understand according to the rules that's all good, but I hate that they've changed the rules in that way. I know it's old man shit, but I said it last week. To me, that put down didn't look like a try. That one was that one was fine. That one was more fine to me than the one that we bitched about last week, which I've now yeah, forgotten. Was what prob- was that last week? I don't know. We the grubber good. that we both thought was a knock on. Yeah, and they gave yeah, it a try. Yeah. Who even scored it? Oh, it doesn't remember. matter. It was last week. It's as fine. distant to me as the passing of ancient Rome. That's right. But yeah, Brisbane are going to be fine. Like we talked about how well Canberra played and how poorly Brisbane did. This game was still three tries all. Yep. You know. And if and I and to be honest with you, if they don't give that Rapana penalty, if that's a Broncos scrum feed as it should have been, score. then they were probably going to score. Canberra looked out on their feet. Yeah, but as I said, God, so God, like Ricky Stewart with a totally gassed team and a fresh bloke on the bench, the name a more Campo, iconic duo, bro. Sideline conversion for Adam Reynolds down by two at Suncorp. Come on, <laughs> there's only one outcome there, and it's not pretty for the team that he plays for. Yeah, Brisbane, Brisbane will be fine, yeah. I think. But rebounding from this will be important for them. Titans, the Derby yeah. this week. <laughs> Poor Titans, they've just kind of been forgotten about. And then the next game, so let's just move on. Titans twenty, Dragons eighteen. Some stupid people in our Discord, patreon.com forward slash my rookies, were saying, oh, the Sunday games look shit. And we, the, Fools, smart, the, the smart boys were like, no, every Titans game rules That's if you right. don't support them. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. weird shit happens. Weird shit happens. And, uh, and you know what happened in this game? A bunch of weird shit. A bunch of weird shit. Zach Lomax was back. I thought he played pretty well. But um, Phil Sami. Phil the fuck? Phil the power semi. <laughs> Nearly 300 metres Running a try, a couple of sick line breaks. Have you ever seen a bike more fired up after a try than no, he was after his he's one? He's great. And Holy he was, shit. He loves, that was awesome. He loves scoring tries. He was the one that did the Gutharina yeah. after that try last year as well. Um, Dave Fafita played great. Um, Jayden, Dave Fafita is quietly having a very strong no season. No one gives a shit. No one gives a shit. He's the million he hasn't had man. one of those games where he scores three tries and breaks 18 tackles, but... This was a game where I thought he just stayed involved the yep. whole the whole time. He was getting involved and doing stuff, and no one gave a shit. <laughs> no, no Fuck. Anyway, but uh, um, I think I think I think I think he's playing great footy. Jaden Campbell's best first grade game. Definitely up there. Definitely up there. If you get the chance, um, it might be on YouTube somewhere. Check out the pregame package that they did with Jaden Campbell and Jonathan Thurston. They go back to Jaden Campbell's junior ground at um, Helensvale. I think it is the Helensvale Hornets. Really, really good stuff. I think my mum's in love with Jaden Campbell now, oh. which is great. But um, yeah, he was really strong. I want to give a shout out to Toby Sexton. Wouldn't yeah. be easy to be in his position where was the, was the starting halfback all last year. The Titans go and get somebody else because they're not satisfied with how he went. He's kind of got to fight his way back. Came back into the team. I thought he played with a heap of confidence, you know, with his running game and with his passing and just really, really played to his strengths. I was actually really impressed with, with, with how he played and how he stayed involved in the game and sort of the calmness that he played with under pressure. You know, like for that winning try, he goes past Ben Hunt. Yep. Ben Hunt's not a bum. Ben Hunt's a killer. And Sexton got the better of him, you know? Yeah. Um, just a thoroughly entertaining game. I think the Dragons gave a really good account of themselves as well. I thought up until that point, um, I mean, I mean, obviously scoring the try to get them in front. But yeah, going through Hunt to, to score the winning try isn't easy to do. As far as halfbacks go, a very good defender. I um, thought Ravalar was really good. Lomax, as I said, probably had his best game 
in a long time. Jack Bird did some cool shit and some lazy shit, which is just the Jack Bird experience at this point. But overall, I just think that this game was won by the Titans forward pack just being a bit more aggressive and a bit hungrier, which isn't easy to do against a Dragons team that's full of, you know, aggressive, hungry guys. They've got they've got Blocker Laurie, they've got Molo, they've got Jaden Sewer. That's not those aren't those aren't bums. But yeah. um, I thought the Titans stood up well to them. Fasul Malawi was really strong in the it middle was. of the field. I thought. Um, I thought Cruz Leeming did pretty good. When yeah. He came off the bench. What about nice Isaac for Sumawali? Ah, uh, yeah. Didn't he see did. much of him. He got a couple he, of runs. He did all right. Yeah, but um, yeah, good win for the Titans. Any relation? Keep, yeah, the, you know what. <laughs> You know what? I think they might be. Just uh, maybe. If I saw Malawi, that's like Smith. You, in none Samoa, of you could bro. see this, but like there was like a half second where he thought I was being serious Lies. and went to answer the Lies. question. What is this? Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Stoke for the Titans. They're quietly doing Tit- okay. The Titans play fun footy. They really the Titans do. play fun footy. And, do yourself a favor, check them out. And they're they're what they're they're they're, they're sixth right now on the ladder, three and two. Well, I think I think I'm I'm really keen for that Broncos Titans yeah, game because too. I think the Titans are just dangerous enough. That Brisbane are going to have to are going to have to work for it. If Brisbane don't come correct, you know the Titans could shock them. So I think that's a really good test for the Broncos. Well, you know, like because they have been riding so high, and now they're going to have to sort of dig dig deep a little bit and sort of ch- like flip the script, which they're more than capable of doing. But if they don't, if they don't treat this serious, if they don't come with the quickness, yeah, then the Titans well, are good, the Titans are good enough to to, to make make some I trouble just think for them. This season's just been fantastic. With six rounds through the year, and every week there's upsets, there's close games, there's amazing finishes. There's only even when there's floggings, like even that South game was pretty close up until they pulled away with about twenty mm. minutes to go. Like every game's got something going on. More good or stuff. Less. Tell you what had a lot going on. Knights yeah. Warriors. Oh mate! Now that trust. was a game with a bit going on. Yeah. Um. The the Newcastle Knights. I mean, they got some terrible news today with Brayley uh, now being out for the season again, but. We'll talk about that later. Let's talk about this right now. Another fantastic performance. I mean, I got, I got, I got two. No, I got two words for you on this game. Three actually. Go on. Hell yeah, brother. Yep. Hell yeah, brother. No knights. This hater, was Nick this was the good stuff. This was the Which was good. Great shit, because man. we said on the previous show we were kind of expecting this game to be a lot of fun, and it was. Um, yeah. Your your boy C and K and Lockie Miller both having stormers at the back. Um, a bunch of different outside backs cutting sick. I mean, Bradman Best continues to just be an insanely talented except player. except when Adam Pompey stands except, him up twice. But no, but I was, I was but also <laughs> but also is what, the dumbest what man was going alive. On there? I don't understand it. It's amazing. Um, oh God, you just had so many guys. Just this, 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 a lot of there's a lot of future guys on both these teams. Two really Jackson Ford's yeah. a future guy. Oh, Adam Pompey's a future guy. Um, well, let, 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 let's start at the start because yeah. we don't want to just turn this into us saying, bro, Sorry. how good was that for 20 minutes? Which we could easily we do. We could easily do that. So I thought to start this game, the Warriors put themselves under a lot of pressure with, with errors and penalties and all that. I thought their discipline in particular was quite, quite poor. And I'm still sort of forming my ideas of, of what the Knights are and what they're going to do and all that. But I think it's pretty clear that they're a team who are really strong on the counter, really strong on the break. And... If the other side doesn't, if the other side gives them stuff, the Knights are good enough to take it definitively, you know. And they were able to put on some some really scorching attack early. But at no point did I feel like the Warriors were out of it. At no, no point did I we feel like they panicked. Week. Yeah, they just sort of stayed on the job, and they ended up narrowing the gap a little bit before halftime. Um, and I thought Andrew Webster's comments at halftime, which were reported by, I think it was Jake Duke. I think he was on the 
on the sidelines, he said that the Warriors were playing to the Knights' pace. They were playing very frantic and trying to play quick. And he said, let's get back to our pace. Let's play our game, which I thought they did in the opening 20 minutes of that second half. Because I think where the Knights might struggle, sort of getting in that set-for-set grind. And Mm. the Warriors got into that grind, and that's when they were able to put on a couple, a couple more tries. The grit and grind and warriors. That. The grit and grind warriors, yeah. bro. Welcome, welcome to the Sean Johnson, the grind father. Yeah, you know. Um, but what happened was, is because the Knights, because the Warriors had put themselves under pressure, they just left themselves with a little bit too much to do. They sort of the margin for error was just a little bit, a little bit too thin, you know. So when Kurt Mann scores that opportunistic try, and then Greg the leg finishes with 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 another one out on the wing, they just left themselves with a little bit too much to do. But thoroughly impressive from the Knights again. Great crowd up at the Hunter. I think the fan base has really been energised by what they're doing the last couple of weeks. Getting the Newcastle chance when they're defending, always a great sign. And um, big ups to when Ed Cossey took that intercept, fanged it down the sideline, and it felt like half of Newcastle was was chasing him down. There were so many blokes on screen. That's the really good stuff. That's the sort of stuff that, like, that'll reopen the coal mines, I can't bro. That's wait going crazy. For the Friday preview show when you tip them to beat Penrith. <laughs> I cannot wait. It's going to oh, be fantastic. Man. Well, let's hit a couple more things. Greg, Greg Marju, Greg the Leg. So, still so pissed we didn't sign him. Oh, my God, dude. Isn't he just the best? I love him. You know what I loved about that first try? Right? So he's in space. And he's got Charles Nickel Cookstad to beat. Charles Nickel Cookstad, a brave and beautiful footballer. And he flew and he did exactly what you meant to do with big fellas. He flew in at his midsection and tried to chop him around the legs. Came in as hard as he could. And that's pretty hard. Charles Nickel Cookstad, dynamic player, great in this game, both sides of the ball, all effort, never dies. Hit Greg Marzi with everything he had. Greg Marzi looked unfamiliar with the concept of someone tackling him. He was like, he sort of hit him, and Greg was like, oh, wow. That's something that happened. I'm going to keep running now, bro. And then he did, and he scored. Like, the largest, meatiest boy just out there getting it done. Greg the Leg, you're my man. Is it is it friend of the show Marty Gabor that was obsessed with Greg the Leg when he was at his, in his Titans days? Well, he, me me and Marty were on Greg the Leg early from... So he so Greg the Leg, his, his name used to be Greg Lalesia. He changed it um, a couple of years ago. And we saw him play at the Titans in the 20s, and then he went down to Para, and at Para was, was when things really, really started to go sky high. They made a 20s grand final in 2017 with Dylan Brown and a couple of other guys, but Lalesia was the, was, the was the best player on the team. But things just hadn't worked out for him. He just didn't progress for whatever reason, but, man, he, is, he has really found a home at the Knights, and he's really getting embraced by that fan base. Just awesome. Just great shit. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I think that it's just been great for the comp. That both these teams have been so entertaining yeah. this year. Like two teams that have a lot of potential, both in their home areas. Like, well, obviously New Zealand is more than just a little area, but <laughs> two teams that when they're doing well, they can really pick up vibes from yeah. their sort of home faithful. And yeah, I thought this game delivered and then some. Tyson Frizzell someone that we've taken some shots at over the last couple of years. I think he's playing mm. his best footy in a long time. And here's proof that stats aren't everything. He's only averaging about... 80, 90 metres a game or something like that, but I feel like he's just playing better footy. He's being that destructive presence on the edge that he, lacked for so long. He didn't play, but would you like to mention Toe Harris to keep your streak up before we go? Well, yeah, thank you for reminding me. They yeah. really missed, I thought they missed Harris in this one, and it, when they lost Tamari Martin along the way, and they lost Wade Egan along the way as well, and they've got Bailey Siren and at hooker, um, who I actually thought did a pretty a pretty good job in there, to be honest with you, but... Yeah, the, the Warriors just left themselves with a little bit too much to, to do. I do want to give you a quick shout-out to Tom Ale, who came off the bench for him. So 
he came off the bench. He was playing really good footy. I think he ended up gaining more meters than any pl- any forward on the field. And I was like, who's this guy? He must be on debut. But then I looked it up and it was Tom A. I was like, I know that name. He's played like 15 NRL games over the last three years. Could not tell you a single thing no, he's ever done. But um, I'll tell you what, he's, he's got my attention now. I thought yeah. he played some... He played really, really strong. They needed someone to step up in the middle and, and he was the one that did it. So I don't think this is fatal for the Warriors at all. I think it was always going to be tough to back up the, the emotional effort that they put into the Sharks game. I think getting back home this week against the Cowboys would be really, really good for them. I think... Absolutely. Are they are they playing at Mount Smart or are they taking this one somewhere else on the road? I'm not sure. I'll pull it up. It's gonna be a madhouse though, bro. Yep. Um, I just want to read out a tweet from Jason Oliver uh, in relation to this last game of the round, Easter Monday. Tigers had more runs plus 41, running meters plus 514, line breaks plus two, tackle breaks plus 22, offloads plus eight, force dropouts plus two, tackled inside 20 plus 19. Eels had more missed tackles plus 22, ineffective tackles plus 11, and points. Plus six. That last one's important. That one. Is that's the important. thing they don't teach you in fancy stats Nerd man school. school. Yeah, yeah, that's they right. Tell you about that. But yeah, Jason Oliver doing great stuff. Writing he, for NRL.com. You got to love it. But points, baby. That's yeah. the biggest stat of all. I, the the Tigers played really well. This is by a wide margin the best they played this year. But when you're zero and five, moral victories are not enough, unfortunately. And it's weird, right? So uh, I'll throw it over to you in a second. But I mean. It, it's just hilarious to me that we can have a, a game like this because usually when a team is such a massive underdog and they haven't won a game, people are really willing them on. People are really pushing for them. But the vibe on sort of like social media and stuff during this game wasn't, oh, geez, I hope they can do it. It's how are they going to screw this up? And you were there and it was similar. Yeah. So as you guys know, it doesn't take much for me to get totally carried away it's with true. footy stuff. Like I'll, 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 I'll get in, I'll get into just about anything. Um, and a situation like this where a team hasn't won for a really long time and they look like they're making a rollicking comeback, that's normally my shit. I normally love that. At no point in this game yesterday did I feel like the Tigers were going to win. And at no point did I feel sort of like emotionally engaged by it all. And I think it was the same with the crowd. There was 28,000 people there yesterday, but it didn't feel what was the, big and rowdy. Even when they whatever. forced that dropout with three minutes left to, Even then, to like make it, it 28 it, all. It, it, all, like, it, all it, felt, it all felt really flat. It didn't feel like, oh, you know what, if they win this, maybe this is the day that it all turns around. Maybe we look back on this day in six months' time, we say that was it. That was when we stood up and that was the day everything started to change. But I, I, I don't know. Maybe everyone was just Maybe everyone was just beat after a big Easter weekend. But like I compare it to the week before when I was there for the Bulldogs-Cowboys game. 9,000 people and the joint was rocking. The mm. joint, like the Dogs fans were doing everything they could to get their team over the line. This one, I just felt like there did seem to be a sort of acceptance that even if we win this, maybe things aren't going to change. It was it was really strange. It was all really flat. And, you know, even the, the, the coaches and the players mentioned it after the game. They were like, yeah, this was a very strange game to be a part of you know I don't know, every, everyone just felt really flat and not everyone felt engaged I felt like Para just sort of got it done you know Mitch Moses and Brad Arthur both said after the game that they've played better in games they've lost this year and I think that's true yeah you know and the Tigers to me are just I think the Tigers this is a controversial opinion I want to hear what you think I think the Tigers are in arguably the worst place that a team's ever been in in the NRL era so I know, so his eyes just widened a little bit, but let me let me talk you through it. So the 99 Magpies, right? Or the sure. post-admission Rabbitohs, yep. or the 2015-16 Knights, right? They were all... They're the only other awful, contenders Awful, awful teams. Yeah. Those were all really bad rosters. Yes. Awful, awful rosters. Terrible, terrible teams, right? 
this Tigers team should not be this bad. They have really good players on this on this side, and a lot of them played quite well yesterday. Mm. Appy Coruscant is trying literally everything he knows to get stuff going. John Bateman did everything he could to put the team on his back. I thought he was great yesterday. Junior Tupo really announced himself as a player of of with, with, with a big future. Asu Kepa Oa is doing some really nice things at centre and back row. Yeah, you know there there are good players out there. I. Yeah, because it's and, not, it's and not things like those... Are, things not, are not getting better. Those other teams you mentioned didn't have arguably 2022's best hooker and best back row. Yeah. Um, that's a really good point. Yeah, so... Because you kind of wonder, well, every signing they made was praised by everyone. Like, everyone everyone was like, oh, great signing, Coruscant. Oh, Isaiah Papali, that's a great bit of business. David Klemmer, smart, smart, smart get as well. Another forward to give them some, some oomph and it... And John Bateman, yeah, all great players. It just doesn't matter. Yeah, that's that's the that's the messed up part. And you know what? I thought Luke Brooks had his best game of the season in this game, and they still just lost. It just doesn't matter. I th- they're in a really they're in a really tough. They should have won this game, man. They, they should have won, won, won this game. They should have won this game. And I like I know we've had fun in the past about you know people saying oh teams have forgotten how to lose. It's possible to forget how to win as well. Yeah, you know this is a team that's lost eighteen of their last nineteen matches and. Charlie Staines, I thought, played really well up until he yeah. dropped that dropped that dropout. Those those things, those errors can happen to anybody. Yeah. Right? And that's not the reason they lost the game. They had chances to win the game after that. But when it happens like that in that moment, it feels like it can only happen to a team like the Tigers. Yeah. You know? Um, I, I'm a bit like last week. I don't know where they go from here. I don't know what they do. Adam Dewey's done his knee, which yeah, is great. awful news. <laughs> Terrible. And third, just, I think it's his, third, he actually, it's his third time on that and knee. And he, he'd been struggling this year. And I thought, again, he also had his best game of the season up until yep. he got injured yesterday. So that absolutely so. sucks. And that's a big hole for them to fill. Um, but yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. They got Manly next well, week. They're going to buy they got, this, they got week, buy this which, week. Sorry, God, Guys, anyone listening? I know we have a, we have a, we have a pretty smart audience usually, but please... Just don't make any, oh, will they beat the bye jokes? They're not funny. They were kind of funny when we were like 12 and there was a bye in 2000 and... The mid, Whatever, mid, yeah. Yeah, they're not funny now. Well, just, just rise you above. know what? I'm, I'm glad that you've reiterated this this show's policy on bye jokes because you came out strong last week when Tim Sheens himself made a beat the bye joke yeah. and we're sticking strong to that principle. There's not we many are. things we believe in here. We believe in Tohu Harris, yep. right? You believe in Alex Johnson. I believe in Jared Croker, but yep. we both believe... In no buy The jokes. only funny ever buy joke was when that guy created the website. You remember? And then Bootsnall yeah, interviewed him. <laughs> and he was like, oh, we nearly beat Cronulla, but they just got away from the end. That was kind <laughs> that of funny because he made a website. Committed to the bit. Exactly. Committed to the bit. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what they do. I don't know where they go. Apart we, from play better, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how they fix this. Hey, we don't this. have to talk about them for a week because they've got to buy. But um, yeah. I will mention just really, really quickly because we, we're running out of time here. We, we we talked about the jersey stuff on the weekend. We did get a tweet from someone pointing out that the Raiders actually did a similar thing with a stock image of a troop last year. No one gave a shit. Are you aware of this? Well, well I've, I've seen that. I think I think the Raiders said that they're going to get onto the jersey manufacturer and see okay. what happened. But um, yeah, if you're the second, if you're the second man over the breach who plagiarised a stock image, or the mm. second person to be found out. You're never going to cop it as bad as the first one. No, but they, they but did like, it last year. Yeah, but the, but, the, but like that's the what's happened with the Tigers is the poor on-field results amplify stuff yeah, like exa- that. Yeah, that's true. When it happens, it's like ah, oh, the fucking Tigers. They've done it again. They it's, can't get anything right. Rah, 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 rah. But, but um, I just wanted to bring that up because maybe we were being a bit unfair, saying oh, this could only happen to the Tigers when I think another team did do this last year. Yeah, just, if, no Canberra, one if Canberra have done that, that's pretty careless on their part. Mm. All right. 
Uh, let's pre... Oh, Para. Para. Para real quick. Yeah. feel like this was just a, a game Para had to win Which just is, for their own confidence. Because they've played poorly. Sorry, they've played well in games and lost. Yeah. This week they've played poorly and won. So they maybe did. it all evens out in the thought end. Mitch Moses was the difference. He was very good. And I think um, people don't... People just don't. People don't like Mitch Moses. He's like right? eight or nine and one against the Tigers since he left. Like plays something, something always, always like plays well against them. But yeah. people don't like Mitch Moses, and I think sometimes they can sell him a little bit short. Mm. But I thought, you know, you know what the really good halves do? They take a t- they take a game that their side would otherwise narrowly lose, and they find a way to turn that into a narrow win. And that's what Mitch Moses did in this game. Four tries. Thought his king game was fantastic. Landed the big goal right at the end. Yep. And all that t- sort ten of thing. and two against the West Tigers. Yeah. Left. Yeah, His best um, winning record to get by by a mile. Yeah, but I, I thought he was the difference in this game, and I thought it was a, it was a measure of 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 how good a playmaker he's become that his team might not be playing well, and they might get done for meters and field position and all that, but he can still kick them out of trouble, and he can still find a way to win. So um, while this was a this was a game riddled with existential malaise, I thought Mitchell must played I, I very didn't very think well. That their Simonson and and Wanga Blake replacements, Dunster and Russell, were, were too crash hot either. But well, I, I think they've both barely played footy this year, yeah, like even in reserve true. grade. So all right, um, Josh Hodgson can't tackle. He missed a lot of tackles again. Yeah, he wasn't great. Brendan Hands got more minutes. I'm expecting Brendan, that to two continue. Hands. Brendan, two hands. All right, let's preview Thursday night's game real quick. The Grand Old Club heading up to Suncorp for the first of like three trips to Suncorp in the next four weeks. They might as well just live up there. Playing the Dolphins, playing Wayne Bennett, playing Mark Nichols, playing Cody Nicarima. Um, <laughs> just snuck him three in there. Three Rabbitohs legends. Exactly. <laughs> just snuck him in there. Um the, the narrative is obviously all going to be about Wayne Bennett. He's going to try to deflect a lot of that onto onto the players and everything else. This might shock you, Camber, but I think South should win this one comfortably. Well, on paper they will. On paper they would, but we don't play them on paper, bro. They've and never lost to the Dolphins. The, that's true, but the Dolphins have never lost to them. <gasps> oh, <laughs> Chris, oh. Chris Cross. <laughs> oh, I think the book's kind of written on the Dolphins this year. It's like, mm. man, if you don't come correct, they'll get you. Yeah, they'll get you, and especially they'll get you. Well, at South home. have lost to Tola for another. Uh, apparently, I don't know. Yeah, uh, that's still. Uh, some people told me that Tatola's out for a couple of weeks. Some people told me he's fine. So, well, I mean, the team must still be if out. Only by time. it was your job to investigate. Shut. <laughs> I have been, and I've got, I've got conflicting sources. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean that, yeah. that the line is massive. The line's ten and a half. So. Well, I, I, I think we'll get a we'll get another monster crowd up at Suncorp. Yep. Southwest have a lot of fans up there. This is the Dolphins' first game back at home since the Battle of Brisbane a few few weeks ago. Um. Well, the team list will be out in a few hours, but um, if 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 the Toll is playing or if Jair is back, I think we're sweet. Oh, I, I'm tip I'm tipping Souths definitely, but you know I think it's pretty clear that if you don't bring your best against the Finns, they can sting you. They can sting you. Do Dolphins have stingers? Uh, Find that out. No, we'll, they don't. We'll fix that in post. Okay. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Semi Rundrundra. Oh, he's absolutely buried it. Rundrundra. Tiny bit of news before we get out of here. Um, yep, yeah, uh, as we mentioned during the night's uh, bit, Jaden Braley out for the gear. Brutal. Terrible. Think um, he's had some really bad injury luck over the last three or four years now with think like was, knees and Achilles and stuff like that. I haven't terrible. I haven't fact checked this, but friend of the show Harvey said that since Adam O'Brien became the Knights coach, they've had their first choice spine available for like ten percent of their games. It's not been great. It's not been great. I don't. I'm not even sure who they'd go to 
to fill in at hooker. It might just be Kurt Mann doing his best in there for the rest of the season. And Kurt Mann's a pretty good utility or whatever. Phoenix but Crossland season. Yeah, well, maybe. Well, he might have to keep playing in the halves with... Um, That's true. Because Gamble's, Gamble's still out and we don't know when Pong is back. And, but yeah, it's probably looking like Mann and Crossland in there, isn't there? It's not great. Well, Crossland was okay on the weekend. Shout out to him scoring that try off the Bradman Best kick. Bradman Best looking like he'd never kicked a ball in his life. He'd only had the process described to him. But it still worked. You know why? Because Greg Marju taught him how to do it. <laughs> That's true. Um, <laughs> the rumours of Des Hasler going to the Dragons have ramped up again. I, I think it's pretty clear that unless there's a drastic turnaround, Anthony Griffin's going to be done at the Dragons this season. And it just... I think they'll either go with like a Dragons alumni, like Hornby or Young or... Um, uh, why, am I, why am I blanking on this? Or Jason Riles. Yep. Um, or they go for someone like Hasler and they go for a lock stock change. I don't know which way they'll go, but I think Hasler's pretty clearly the guy that a lot of struggling clubs would look to at the moment. So it's not surprising to hear that ramp up again. Um, and, and another quick one. Um, so uh, Cody Ramsey's uh, battle with ulcerative colitis is apparently not really getting any better. Like he's, he's in a bad way. They're not sure whether he'll ever play again with this illness. Um, but the Dragons have applied for salary cap dispensation i feel like this is one of those times where the nrl might show some common sense and give them that dispensation absolutely man my, my thoughts go out to cody ramsey to, that's that's absolutely terrible what's happening to him and i think the dragons will get um some salary cap dispensation but remember in rounders when mike mcd goes to joey kanish to ask him for money yep. right at the end and joey kanish says i'll give it to you i'm wasting it yeah kind of feel like dragons with cap space that's where we're at so just let him drive the truck <laughs> um uh, and as we said, uh, Tom Burgess escaped charge for grabbing Josh Reynolds. Yeah, how much? How much? It, how much it cost to to make him look the other way? What did it take? Um, Is that where the Patreon money went? Yep. Yeah, it's exactly right. I thought so. And if you'd like to donate to further uh, instances of me bribing the NRL to let South players off without charge, you can go to patreon.com forward slash NRL Open Rookies. You'll get access to our Discord server. You'll get a third show every single week, the Question Time Show. Um, you get merchandise discounts, a um, couple of other things as well. And I'm going to give a quick shout out to the people in the top two tiers on that on that Patreon page. And they are Chris Avnell, Cry Ricky Cry, Dave, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Butsy, Chewbacca Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullinane, David, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backup, Ed Burton, Frankie, Horsborough Scoresborough, Jace Felix Farmworth, Jason, Joel Wrigley, John, Kick Souths out of the comp, Kick Wests out of the comp, Lachlan Hancock, Lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Smidmore, Luke Ferguson, Maddie Jenkins, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, my ding dong is hard and I'm sad, Never Trendy, Pat McManus, please stop talking about death in the general chat, Ray Stoned Gossard, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Shunter, Simo, Ty, TB, the Black Vegetable, the Not So Mature Age Student, Thor, Tom Hardy, Was, and West Lies Podcast. Thank you so much for your support to everyone in lower tiers and to everyone who just listens. Thank you as well. And on the third day, they rose again. They did. And that was the message of Easter, I believe. <laughs> All right. We are going to get out of here. We'll be back if you're a patron tomorrow with the question show. And if not, we'll be back on Friday morning with the preview show. Take care all. Enjoy your week. Say goodbye, Campo. Goodbye, Bertrand. And it's goodbye from here.